G'day, listeners. Welcome to Matt and Tim's Road to Busso. G'day, Matt. G'day, Tim. Good to be here again. It's been a little while between episode six, which is a special episode, and this one, episode seven, which I tell you is also a special episode. On this episode of the podcast, we, we're we going to just touch base on where we're at, but the bulk of the episode is a, an interview with Lucy Bartholomew, who's a very well-known ultra trail runner um, and was uh, on the road to Busso herself as well to uh, complete her first Ironman event. So we, we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to catch up with Lucy, well, I was at least. Yes, yeah, you flew solo on this one, didn't you, Tim? Um, unfortunately, I was working, so couldn't uh, make it for the interview, but um, I actually haven't even heard it yet, so I'm, I'm very keen to listen to it. I think she'll be a very, very interesting person to, um, yeah, just get some insights about her career and, and in particular, yeah, her lead up to Busseton, which unfortunately didn't happen for her either. So no, on that note, you you've spoilt the uh, the punchline. The road to Busso is officially o- over for you and I for twenty twenty one. It is, yeah. It's um, yeah. Unfortunately, the borders aren't going to open up. I think the event's still going to go ahead, but yep. yeah, we're not going to be able to participate. So yeah, there's some other news in that. Um, we've actually decided to have another run-up to the 2022 event. So we're both re-signed for that one and um, there's going to be a big big reset, another 12 months away and, yeah, hopefully that one will go ahead instead. So we've got to string out our training for another 12 months and that means we're going to string out this podcast for another 12 months as well. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So our 27 listeners are very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's probably it's probably telling. I, I, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, the the training motivation has definitely waned um, with with the inevitability that we can't get to Bustleton this year, and perhaps our motivation for the podcast has waned a little bit too, given given it's almost a couple of months since the last episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think we both um, needed a little break and not just a break from training, but probably a bit of a mental break just to yeah, not think about it too much for a little while. But I think we're both back on board and both pretty keen and, um, yeah, looking forward to 2022 and uh, doing the podcast throughout the year and then getting set for the Ironman. So we'll probably talk more perhaps next time we catch up yeah we'll see how long that takes us talk a bit more about how we tackle you know the extended period and just what it looks like Mm. to kind of reset again for 12 months but we do have um in a couple weeks time i guess one thing we can put some of our training to use towards is the melbourne marathon which originally was going to be a lead-up event for us going to be in october that's been deferred so we're we're having a crack at that we both signed up to the full marathon and Look, yeah, well, actually, I, I, did, I think you remember that I, I forgot I signed up for that <laughs> event, and, and um, it wasn't until Tim reminded me a couple of weeks ago that that I did sign up for it, and I'm actually enrolled in this um, event that they've um, rescheduled. So I forgot to train, which isn't surprising, and so I'm furiously cramming a bit of training in now to. Uh, hopefully do it but I'll, I have dropped back to the half marathon which is 
You've done yeah, your classic Tim, Tim, trick. Yeah, yeah, which Tim would say is a classic thing for me. So, yeah. <laughs> Except you've done it a bit earlier than normal. Usually it's about a week before the race, but maybe because it's yeah. a big, big event, you were worried you were going to just be stuck with the full marathon. Yeah, actually, I think the thing that really made me drop back was that the I actually have a work Christmas party on the <laughs> night before, and so I think it's going to be a, a not a Convenient not a, a, a race for me. No, it's going to be a um, yeah, just an event that I'll go down and just just have a bit of fun and do, do the half marathon and take in the atmosphere of a, a fun run with a heap of heap of people there, a crowd, and um, which we haven't been able to enjoy for a while. No, so, it, should, it should be good. Mm. So, so I think we'll we'll either catch up just before that or just after that, and probably more likely after that. Um, and we, yeah. we might do a bit of a debrief on on how that went. All right, Matt. Let's get to the interview with Lucy Bartholomew. We're super fortunate to have her on the podcast, and you'll find some some real gold in this interview. She's super well known in the scene of ultra trail running, and it was great to have the chance to catch up with her. So here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please put your hands together as we are about to welcome a special guest into the show. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our special guest to the podcast, ultra trail runner extraordinaire, Lucy Bartholomew. G'day and welcome to Matt and Tim's Road to Busso, Lucy. Hey, thanks for having me. I, we're so close in uh, in distance, but actually we have to do this online. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's the way of this, the world these days. So for those of you that don't know, Lucy is one inspiring woman who started out her running career with a 100-kilometer run at the ripe old age of 15, I think, when she ran alongside her dad in a race. Um, and since then, she's gone on to have success across the world in numerous races and very, very recently ran the 231-kilometre Larapinta Trail in Central Australia, which no doubt we'll talk about in this discussion. And not only is her running inspiring, her positive attitude and her realness is also inspiring. But the connection to this podcast is the fact that Lucy was also training for Bustleton Ironman, which... We're recording in mid-November. It was due to be essentially a couple of weeks' time. Um, so I actually didn't know of your background, um, Lucy, in, in trail running and first saw the clip um, called From Trail to Try um, that was talking about you starting out to have a crack at an Ironman. Um, and your name seemed a bit familiar to me. I think I'd seen it on some Strava segments, given we're both in the northeast <laughs> suburbs of Melbourne. Um, and then when I joined the dots and also discovered a bit more about your background and, and just, yeah, learn a bit about you, I thought it'd be cool to see if uh, we could get you on the podcast. So here we are. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for ha- having me. I feel like I did my first triathlon podcast uh, a few mo- weeks ago and now this one, I feel like I've really made it into the sport now. <laughs> Very good. Well, we're number two on the on the triathlon podcast list for you, so that's great. So I'm keen to keen to start there, and and we'll focus probably pretty heavily on the the triathlon stuff, but no doubt touch on um, some of your other background and and particularly your recent uh, Lara Pinta Trail experience. But I'm keen to understand a little bit about why you're dipping your toe into triathlon. I know it's not a um, change of sport, um, but what what 
sort of inspired the the move to attempt an Ironman and, and I guess particularly why Bustleton? Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of going back in 2017, 2018, uh, I had amazing years in the ultra running world and I was running and racing competitively in the 100K to 100 and 160 kilometer, 100 mile distance. Yep. And I walked a pretty fine line on kind of that recovery and racing and you know, I had great success, but I also had an incredible, um, kind of recovery from all of that. In 2019, things started to blow up a little bit and I needed to step back and change up and cure pandemic. It definitely (laughs) helped me, you know, sit down in, uh, in four walls and stop traveling and stop distracting myself and think about what I really wanted to do. And something that's always been on the back of my mind was I want to do an Ironman, but it was always kind of, there's never a perfect time or a perfect year to put aside so much dedication and training. And, you know, as the year kind of unrolled and I, like you say, I did the Lyra Pinta trail and Ironman actually reached out to me and we came up with this kind of concept of this is a great year for you to do it. It's local being in Australia. I thought it would be local enough um, that it would be okay to go ahead. And I just wanted to, especially after running 230 kilometers on the Lara Pinta to kind of put running to, to bed as a solo sport and instead kind of share the load between the swimming, the cycling, and just do something completely different and really on my bucket list and tick it off. Yeah, great. Have you done any triathlons before? Never. <laughs> no. I uh, like the running, no worries. Um, yeah. Swimming, I'm pretty comfortable, comfortable, but it's the cycling that really has, uh, I've struggled to wrap my head around, but I found a lot of joy in kind of learning a whole new sport. And, and so how, how deep into um, preparation for Bustleton did you get? And obviously just, I guess, to bring the listeners in, the race is due to be in three weeks and it's still going ahead, but it's going to go ahead without you and without myself and Matt, um, unfortunately, because we, we can't get across due to border restrictions um, given COVID situation in Victoria. So how, how deep did you get into preparation for, for the Ironman? I think it's, an, it's a really interesting one because when I committed to it, I feel like everything I've committed to for the last two years, I've always kind of not put my heart into it because I didn't want to be let down. So I was always like, yeah, this is great. Cool. December 5th. Awesome. Love to be in WA. Never been there. But I was also kind of, and it was, I think it's disrespectful probably to say to the Ironman sport, but I was like, kind of training, kind of not, kind of always being like watching the news and being like, it's just not going to happen. Like it's very hard to be so motivated when the pools are closed. You can't cycle that far. You've got to stay close to home. You can't do it with anyone. You know, I wanted to do the Ironman journey for the community aspect. I wanted to go for the bunch rides and stop for cake and coffee. I wanted to do the ocean swims and follow people because I've never done that in a group. And the running I obviously love doing with people too. Um, so I kind of didn't have probably the strongest mindset. I would say with my coach, we did about probably about eight weeks of kind of, um, you know, doing all three disciplines and he's was kind of like Lucy, you know, Ironman training, it's not any easier than ultra running. It's in fact, it's more hours, it's harder. And I really realized over that eight weeks, I was like, your heart has to be in it and you have to be 
just like counting down and I was more like just kind of waiting for the announcement that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think we can we can relate to that too. Um, just because as you say, it's a it's a big big commitment and big big load to to sew into and not knowing whether it's going to go ahead or not. And I guess I guess that's probably been you know the last eighteen months just full stop for you. I, I imagine with with events and races. H- how have you coped with that and that inability to kind of be sh- uh, you know plan in a, in a way that you can actually count on? Yeah, I think, you know, I was, like I said, coming out of 2019, when we first went into the the first years of lockdown, 2020, I was pretty okay with it. And I just didn't commit to anything apart from getting myself sorted out. And then this year, I kind of, I don't know, I guess I've always just had asterisks. It was kind of like, you know, yes, I'll try to be there. If I can be there, I'll be there. You know, I just wanted to maintain a fitness that would allow any opportunities I would jump at. And that's the same with the Lyra Pinto. I mean, it's hard to be like incredibly ready for 230 kilometers, but you know, at that point I was just so eager to run for as long as I wanted and as far as I wanted. So Yeah. (laughs) yeah, mentally I was in a good place and yeah, I think it's it's challenging for anyone, you know, birthday parties, weddings, funerals, yeah. whatever you've got going on. I feel like a race event, like an Ironman or an ultramarathon, it's kind of like we can live to play another day. Totally. And if you keep that perspective of, you know, just getting out for a run and whatever is going to keep you healthy and is good for you, good for you anyway. Um, I mean, certainly for me, the last 18 months, I think I've, I've probably actually done more running than I ever have before because it was my opportunity to get out of the house for you know even when restrictions were an hour a day and you know within five kilometers get out the house you know turn the legs over and it's yeah it's actually you know just good good for your health and well-being yeah I, I think the uh the sport of running has boomed in in the restrictions yep. I think because like time and effort it's the most uh, bang for buck you can do so yeah, totally. I, I feel sorry for the ones that love the cycling and want to spend hours going through the hills and are set on their wind trainers because that just didn't do it for me <laughs> yeah when I will I've, I've entered that world over the last couple of years and you can see in my background I've got the bike set up so that's consumed a few hours too so I guess you know it, it appears that probably over the next 12 months things are going to um, get you know get back to some sort of new normal and I'm assuming you've got events and and travel and races that you know will start to pick up again so will you be at the start line in 12 months time or what's what's the plan for your Ironman um, challenge yeah so I've absolutely deferred my entry to 2022 I'm hoping to right. see you both there fingers <laughs> crossed um, yeah, I've got a big year of racing, um, hopefully, hopefully internationally, uh, mainly headlined by Western States in America, which is kind of the oldest and most prestigious hundred mile. Yeah. And then heading across to Europe and doing the UTMB hundred mile in, um, around the Mont Blanc. Great. But, uh, yeah, I think I couldn't think of a better way. Like December is usually pretty close to an off season for me, but I'll be coming off a lot, a lot of running throughout the year and, between the races, um, a lot of them are quite close and I plan to just swim and cycle as recovery, um, and kind of tapering and to kind of just, this gives me such an opportunity to really prepare and to, to feel really confident because if I was going to WA in, uh, in three or four weeks, I don't know how it would go. Yeah, no, that's true. Especially with li- little swimming opportunity over the last little while. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's great. Both Matt and I have deferred for 12 months as well. We, 
I think mentally we'd, we'd had a heart set on Bustleton. And so, you know, we tossed and turned. Do we, do we look at another event over the next 12 months? Because, you know, another 12 months of training is like, oh, you know, that's a long time. But no, we really wanted to do Busso. So we've, we've deferred that and, and we'll do some other races in, in, in the meantime. Do you think before Bustleton, will you have a crack at any other shorter distance triathlon events or will, will the Ironman be your triathlon debut full stop? Yeah, well, it kind of depends. I'll see how the the calendar plays out, what does what goes ahead and what doesn't. If there was something that I could do locally or internationally, just to throw my hat in the ring, yep. I tr- I plan to travel with my bike and to kind of have that ready to go. Um, but yeah, I it could be that that's uh, I just go straight from nothing to Iron Man, which would be uh, I feel like that'll be a show. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that, that's um, no, why not? Just jump straight in. Well, I went from zero to a hundred kilometers, so you know, I think I, I'm pretty renowned for it. I think that's your style. I like it. That's great. Can I want to just talk a little bit about your training regime? Um, and so, sort of, I guess, generally, how how regimented is your training um, regime? Like, how mapped out is it from week to week, month to month, or are you just kind of going with things on the fly? So my coach is pretty, we're pretty mapped out. Um, so in terms of when I'm just running, it's pretty simple and it's way more just kind of off feel. Um, yeah. I felt like with the Ironman training, when we were putting in swims and rides, they were just such long days, you know, yeah. my log, which is usually run maybe once, maybe twice a day was kind of like three disciplines, try and get into the gym. And I was just like, I don't understand where I shower in this whole <laughs> schedule you know and it was just relentless I kind of I always thought ultra running was like the peak of endurance you know yeah I run 230ks and now I'm just like oh hats off to anyone who then has a family and a job and like other things in their life this is my life and I was like where am I going to find a four-hour cycle (laughs) yeah the long rides are the hardest to fit in oh just yeah incredible but really really fun once you're out there but uh Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just, um, what I was doing, I think I was doing Monday was ride and cycle Tuesday. So run and cycle Wednesday was a Tuesday was, um, Oh gosh, it's been so long since I've actually done it. Women run. Then I was just running on Wednesdays with workouts. Thursday was cycle and swim. Friday was easy run Saturday, long cycle, possible swim. And Sunday was long run. So it was kind of, yeah, you know, it was the same mileage as I'd normally run. But then on top of that, I was swimming and cycling. Huge. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big, big commitment, particularly if you haven't dropped any of your running load and you just, yeah, you're going in on top. Cause what, what do you run? What were you running in? Like, I know you probably didn't reach peak maybe, or maybe you did. How much are you running in that? Uh, so probably for me, and, and I am one of those people juggling family, work and, and all, all the other things, I, I typically, I'm trying to train about six days a week and typically running volume is probably, probably about 50Ks a, a week. Um, riding, you know, between 100 and 200 but a, a week. But then, you know, when you're in peak, you're trying to get that long four to six hour ride in you know, at least probably every couple of weeks for me, realistically. And swimming, I, I probably swim once a week. That's the, that's the one that I find hardest to fit in because you've you got to be a bit more prepared. 
See, this is what I think I do wrong is because I have such a, I'm so used to hitting a hundred Ks a week or a hundred miles of running a week. And like, I think it's my ego that's like, we can't do less than that. And then my next favorite discipline is swimming. So I'm happy to swim 10 Ks a week. I love it. It's such a meditation. Cycling, I'm like, you know, if one's got to go, but unfortunately in Ironman, that's like the most important, like the biggest chunk of the race, which uh, breaks my heart a little bit. (laughs) Well, that's what I figure about swimming. It's the smallest component. So Yeah, you've got it dialed, don't worry. It gets the least of my attention. <laughs> so it sounds like then you're training seven days a week. Do you, do you ever have a day where you just go nothing, complete rest? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is that just based I, on feel? It's usually around a 14-day cycle. So every 14 okay. days I'll have like a full rest day. And that's like a day that I will have a shower, put non-running clothes on and like totally live it up. Um, but, yeah, it's usually – it's it was 14 in the Ironman block and at the moment yeah. we're kind of going – seven to 10, um, just as I kind of build back into some form of running fitness. And I guess as you then, you know, this journey extends for another 12 months, are you concerned about, and you're getting back into trail races and the like, are you concerned that the triathlon training and the swimming and the riding bit might impact detrimentally on the running or what are your thoughts about that? No, I think if anything, it'll be really beneficial. I think that I need to, within myself, let go of that um, expectation to run so much with the other right with cycling and swimming. Yep. But what I did find is that cycling makes you so strong for running, um, and then the swimming is kind of more. It's more kind of therapeutic, like it stretches out the body and it's like a massage. It's really great um, for the cardiovascular. I find that they actually all really help just. Um, focusing if you're on racing of running but I do think that like in training for 100 mile races you know when you're running kind of 170 70k weeks uh I do see running and swimming uh, cycling and swimming getting pushed aside and just kind of having to change the focus yeah I mean I guess either way though the aerobic fitness is going to help um on on both It, it reminds me a little bit of Cam Worth I don't know whether you you follow Cam at all pro um triathlete but it came from a pro cycling background has actually in the last couple of years gone back into doing some pro cycling but you know he's he's, a, he's an Ironman athlete as well so um yeah they sort of benefit each other what about in terms of just rest and recovery like how how do you recover from the big sessions and particularly running I think in like you know the toll running takes on your body what what tips do you have for us and for our listeners about recovery? I think the best thing for recovery is, you know, keeping it really simple. If you look at the best runners in the world who are from some of the best athletes in the world that are from places like Kenya, you know, they're just doing the basics really, really well. They're sleeping well, they're eating well, they're eating enough, they're eating lots. They're, um, you know, having a massage every now and then, but, and they're moving their body, you know, kind of like lotion, emotion is lotion. And I think that we get so distracted with these massage guns and these legs that blow up around you and cryotherapy and, you know, hot and cold and saunas. And it's just, it's so overwhelming and it's so expensive, you know, and it's just kind of, if you, I just really focus on sleeping well, eating well, going off how I feel, letting my body actually tell me what it wants rather than having a schedule laid out. Um, that's kind of what's important to me for recovery because 
I feel like the body, my body's so used to this after 10 years and it would be different for someone else. But I think just kind of respecting that, making sure that you tick the basic boxes before you go and yeah, go lay down a thousand dollars for some compression leg things. (laughs) The latest gadget. Are there particular learnings that you think you take from, from your 10 years of, of running, um, into preparing for an Ironman and, and training for that? And, um, yeah, how do you, how do you apply those learnings? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've learned through 10 years, and it's crazy that it's taken me this long to learn it. Um, and I probably learned it the hardest way you can, but you know, whatever you do, I feel like there's two things you can control and there's your effort and your attitude. So you can control your effort, be it your pace, how much you time you put into something, um, how hard you go after it. And then your attitude of how you respond to challenges, to setbacks, to accomplishments, to ticking boxes. And I feel like sometimes we and I have got caught up in the things I can't control, the weather, the competition, the times I want to run, the pace, the splits, all this stuff and all this confusion when all I have are these two things. And it's something that I've always come back to is like, all right, Lucy, things are going like spiraling down, but you've got your effort and your attitude and you can choose how you respond to that. Um, And that's something that I think, whether you're doing an ultra marathon or if you're doing an Ironman or if you're going to work, these are things that you can uh, focus on. That's uh, gold. That's um, yeah. Great, great stuff. So I've, I've actually been, you know, I think, I don't know whether it's just because you're, you know, the time you spend out running and stuff like for me, that's thinking time and processing time. And you actually, you just learn a lot by, by being out there. Like you strike me as someone who, seems um like kind of full of wisdom almost um you know that's that's beyond your years do you I, I don't know whether you regard yourself in that way and I'm interested as to whether just you know how much of that you put down just to the insights and experiences you get from just being out there and running and you know and and long hours and long k's and and just that that time just to reflect and contemplate and whatnot Yeah, I feel like I don't regard myself as that, but I I, I love it. (laughs) I'll take it. Um, I kind of feel like when you run or do any form of exercise or do something that makes you uncomfortable, you're inherently broken down and you're stripped bare of your comforts. And when you take yourself outside of that comfort zone, you know, that's where you, you learn and you grow. And, you know, I've done that for 10 years. I've done races that scare me. I've run in places that I didn't think I'd be able to run. And Ironman's the same thing. Like it scares me, but it's also kind of like, there's so much to learn in that. Um, And then also is just, I've, for 10 years, I surrounded myself with community and I've talked to yep. people and I haven't been afraid to, to ask people like, how do you train for an Ironman? Or like, how do you run downhill better? You know, yep. I just, I want to be like a student of everything I do. And I would right. never think that I know anything about anything because I know a little bit about some things, but absolutely nothing about most things. And I think that that's kind of how I kind of go forward. And I'm just always open to, whether it's success or a learning, I'm like, this is great because I'm growing from it. And I kind of just bank it all up and hopefully I can share it with other people and maybe their experiences are different uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, that's, that's absolute gold, Lucy. 
So let's let's move on then to some of those um, challenges that you've undertaken, and particularly the recent one, the Larapinta Trail, um, and the Running Out movie. So you completed that earlier this year, and and the the documentary movie um, produced by Brian Hines is out and available now. And I must say to our listeners, check it out. It's it's amazing. Um, the the scenery is incredible. Like, you know, you, you sort of forget just how amazing the Australian landscape is. Um, but also I felt like the doco just really helped unpack the the difficulty of the challenge you undertook and the, you know, the roller coaster of that. Um, yeah, it's a really inspiring um, movie. So what drives you, and you've touched on this a little bit, what drives you to take on these challenges? Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words. We're really proud of the film and I feel like it's a very true representation of who I am and, um, you know, it's very raw and vulnerable. So I I appreciate that you enjoyed it. Um, I think my biggest thing has always been chasing curiosity and I think that for me it's about exploring uh, different places, different people and kind of using my passion to kind of bring that together. I, I feel like... Yeah, when I was out there running for 54 hours and I was on the land in the Lara Pinta and I was with surrounded by the Alice Springs community who came out to meet me, it's just like this incredible feeling of like this is, this is why I do this sport because there's definitely moments and days and there's been races and times where I just think, gosh, I wish I just went to university and got a normal job and this wasn't what I decided to endeavour down. But now that when that kind of thing comes together, it's like, this is, this is what I'm here for. I'm here for the storytelling, the, yeah. the exploration of myself, but also the world and to, to share a story. Oh, it's a great way to see the world, isn't it? Out, out yeah. there running and, and, you know, you'll add another dimension to that if you're taking your bike with you, you know, another great way to, to get out there and see things. I'm interested that like, so 54 hours, that's a long time to be out there. And, and a lot of that was on your own, um, in the middle of Australia, a lot of it at night time as well. Like that, that just freaks me out how you, how you manage to do that. But how do you pull yourself out of the holes that you kind of get into? And I'm speaking metaphorically, but I'm sure there's probably literal times as well where you've got to pull yourself out of holes. But yeah, in, in an event or a race, how, how do you pull yourself out of those those low spots? Yeah, I think, you know, on the Lara Pinta, the most challenging thing wasn't the actual physical aspect of running or walking or crawling. It was yeah. the mental aspect of having to navigate, having to make sure to eat and drink and to pick your line. But it was also kind of in my mind, I had like an angel on one shoulder who was like, you can do this. You're doing great. Keep it up, Lucy, one step at a time. And then there was like a devil on the other shoulder that was like, what on earth are you doing? This is so stupid. Get yourself out of here. You can't do this. And I think that, you know, we always have that option. We have that, we can choose what we listen to. And for me, the most challenging thing about that whole um, run and trip was that I was alone for so long that I was listening to the voices in my head. And I think that when you don't have someone else to bring you out or people on the sidelines to cheer you and high five you and amp you up, you know, you have to be your biggest cheerleader out there. And I was out there being like, 
just yelling, like, you've got this, Lucy, you've got this. You know, I always had to be the sideline commentator being like, and she's running down the Larapinta trail. She's looking great. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not true, but I'm going to believe it. Um, And so I think that, you know, over 10 years, I've built this toolkit of situations I found myself in, be it mantras, be it food that I know... Uh, brightens me up Um, sometimes it's just like coming to a standstill and just taking a deep breath you know in this kind of long distance you can take a nap take a a few breaths it's not like an Ironman where you you've got to be on Um, but yeah and you know I did happen I did call my dad at one point I found reception and I just needed to hear his reassurance and his voice and I think that when I realized the reason why I was doing this and coming back to my why in the sport whenever things got tough, I was like, you're doing this to explore what it's like to take yourself beyond what you thought was your limit. And so to find that I had to be pretty uncomfortable. And, uh, once I, when I knew I was there, it was kind of like, wow, this is, this is it. This is the other side of it. And you know what? It's not that bad. And you could probably go further. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What, what about, cause I mean, you get the, the, those, the roller coaster through an event and, you know, through the Larapinda Trail and whatnot. But similarly, you go through highs and lows through training periods as well. How do you pull yourself out of the, the lows or, or ride through them um, in, a, in a training block? I think what's really helped me with that is understanding that the, the best runners in the world, which I've had the privilege to spend time with, especially in the ultra and mountain world, Uh, they've told me, you know, we don't feel good for probably 80% of my training, you know, 20%, I'm feeling all right. 10% I'm feeling like good. And then like 5% being race day is great. And I think understanding that if these people who their lives and livelihood is about running and being fit and healthy and raring to go, they're not like that every day. What they do is that they, consistently do the mundane and they do it with this passion and this, you know, like I believe that the best is yet to come. And by helping myself today, I help myself tomorrow. And so I think when you kind of have that perspective and I say this fully recognizing that probably two days ago, I was like, I hate running. I'm not going (laughs) (laughs) and that kind of thing. But, you know, I have this uh, like a 10 minute rule and it's kind of, if I don't want to go for a run, I'll run out for 10 minutes. And if it still doesn't feel good, I'll turn around and jog back home. And I've done a 20 minute run then I've done something, but usually after that 10 minutes has passed, I've warmed up. You feel the sun on your skin, the hair, the wind in your hair, and you keep going. And I think it's just, you got to keep giving yourself an opportunity. Even when it feels really tough, the hardest part is always putting on the shoes and then the rest follows. And I think that I've just kind of for 10 years have been, you know, always been radically positive that this was going to come to something and to be where I am now, I'm like, this is what, this is the path I was meant to take. And I just had to keep getting up to get here. Yeah, that's great. And it it is, you're kind of talking about sort of, you're breaking it down, aren't you? Into, into small chunks, whether that's in a training block or whether that's in, a, in an event, just, you know, get to the next bit, do the 10 minutes or, you know, reassess. What, what was the highlight of the Larapinta trail experience? Oh, I think the highlight would have been the Larapinta community joining me for the last 
So one guy t- joined me, Mark Woods, he joined me for 25 Ks. Um, and then the women's running group in Alice Springs joined me with eight Ks to go. And then all the kids from the school running team um, and a lot of the runners kids joined me with five Ks to go. And they were all there with these like massive headlamps, which wouldn't stay on their head. And none of the kids, like they all wanted to beat me. And I was, <laughs> it was just like, you know, I was having these conversations with kids who were just like, obviously their parents had given them questions to ask me like, so what's your favorite color? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know like, <laughs> right now. I don't know, but it was just, you know, I didn't know how this thing was going to finish and I wasn't sure, you know, you can't plan these type of things. And yeah. I didn't expect to tell people like, Oh, if you could just leave, you know, the whole of Tuesday open for us to potentially come in. Cause I'm not sure how long this when is going to take. Yep. Yeah. And, um, it was kind of, I had this vision cause I've seen other films where the community has been there and run with them in and it's been all heroic. And, uh, I won't say that I was really running in, I was kind of shuffling, <laughs> but to have the fairy lights up and to have a, a big, um, all the Alice Springs community there and a big celebration was just, yeah, I, I couldn't have imagined it better the whole way through. Oh, that's great. And how many, how many days afterwards did you, did it take you to sort of feel like you could could move the body normally again? Oh man, I finished the run and then I we got straight in the car and drove two days back to Adelaide. And then I got on a plane wow. and flew from Adelaide to Queensland. And then I put on a running camp that weekend. And I will tell you, I was not the best version of myself. We went for this <laughs> three hour run and I was just bonking within a kilometer. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want to go. I think, I think that's understandable. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, very good. And so where can people find the movie just so so people can track it down? Yeah, so there is a website. It's called running www.runningoutmovie.com, but it is on Vimeo. It's kind of the platform we've got it going through. Um, you can either head to the link in my bio on Instagram is an easy way to click through. Um, and there also is a running out movie Instagram, which kind of has more behind the scenes kind of stuff and um yeah, that's kind of where it is. Excellent. So we're just coming to a close. A couple of just sort of more random questions that I, I want to throw throw your way. What's what's the scariest moment you've had um, in, in your, your running career? I would say the scariest moment I've had was on the Lara Pinto and it was my first experience with hallucinations, oh, yeah. um, being so tired and just kind of that – being alone out there is one thing, being alone and seeing other people that you think are out there, but not out there um, and yeah. seeing skeletons in trees, which are actually just bark. Um, you know, I was hiking up one of the biggest climbs on the Lara Pinta and I was going along and I saw all these tents and I was like, wow, yeah, I knew the Lara Pinta was popular, but gosh, there's so many people. And I was hiking up and I got to the top and there was a guy camping and he came out and he's like, great job, Lucy, you're doing well. I've heard about you. And I was like, oh, you're not real because you know my name. That can't be real. And he he shook my hand to to show me that he was real. And and I go, oh, it's good you're camping up here. There's so many people back along the track. And he was like, no, Lucy, there's no one. And um, he said that he kind of let me go and I ran off in the wrong direction, turned around, came back tripped over a rock, hit the deck, got back up, walked off. Wow. And he got into his tent and he was like, she's not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far along was that? 
It was probably going, it was like the middle of the second night, probably about 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, so I'd been going for maybe like 145 kilometers, 150. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sh- got- shows, shows you how, how much you push in your body, doesn't it? Well, after the dehydration, yeah. that um, kind of a huge part of the film, that really sets you back and makes the hallucinations just a little more real. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any um, funny incidents in, in races, you know, be that with nutrition or just some sort of funny fails that you've, you've done that come to I've, mind? Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, so many, <laughs> so many. I'm not good with nutrition, probably is my, my downfall. Love to cook at home, happy to eat all day, but when I'm running, I'm just atrocious. And I remember one time I was starting to get a cramp. It was kind of my first time having a, a cramp feeling. And someone said, oh, just have some pickle juice. And so they gave me this jar of pickles and I chugged the whole jar of pickle <laughs> juice and I started to run off. And I kid you not, I was like foaming at the mouth and it was like running out my nose. And I was like, it was stinging so bad. And I was like, this is great. It's completely made me forget about the cramp because instead my whole like face and um, throat is on fire from oh, this no. vinegar. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you, you kept it down though. You didn't, didn't come back up. Oh, it came out. It came yeah. out of every hole in my body, I swear. <laughs> Fantastic, and have you have you encountered snakes? I'm I'm sure you've you've had snake encounters in um in in your journeys. Like, how, how do you approach that? Yeah, they it's terrify me. Yes, they t- terrify a lot of people. I feel like it's it's like sharks in the water. You know, yeah. everyone's kind of I don't want to go out there because of it. Um, and I feel like for me, it's become I feel very comfortable running on the trails, and I also respect that I am running on the snakes' land. Yep. Um, and so for me, it's kind of if I feel like this is like snake territory with long grass and hot weather you know, they respond to vibrations. So it could be, you felt like you could just stamp your feet a little bit louder. You could sing or play music. That kind of thing will, will scare them. Um, I mean, many times have I just done a a very great vertical leap over a few snakes. Um, but it's one of those things that don't let, like they, they respond with how you feel. So if you're stressed and you feel threatened by them, they're going to feel threatened by you. And that's when things go bad. Yeah, and it's just keeping your wits about you really, isn't it, at the end of the day, just being aware. Yeah, and like, you know, you can carry a snake bandage if that's something that you want to do, but it's just if it's a hot day and it's long grass, probably just don't run there, you know, like that's their home. You stay in yours. Uh, Exactly. Well, we might draw it to a close now, but we'd love to uh, maybe stay in touch over over the coming 12 months and particularly perhaps as we get closer, hopefully to Bustledon going ahead in uh, 2022 and just check in on, on how your journey's going. Um, that's the whole purpose of this podcast. We're just tracking our journey to Bustledon. So it's going to be extended for another 12 months. Um, so yeah, we'd love to maybe have the opportunity to, to catch up again or, or after the race or whatever. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you see you over there completing uh your first Ironman yeah I would love that hopefully we can get a run or a ride or a swim together and uh yeah I have many questions so I'll be uh I'll be in touch <laughs> no definitely it'd be, be good to hook up for a ride or a run for sure so thank you so much for uh for joining us um listeners can check check out Lucy on social media platforms um and definitely encourage you to have a look at the running out movie um and yeah we'll talk again soon Lucy thanks very much
Legend. Thank you. There you have it, listeners. That was the interview with Lucy Bartholomew. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed the opportunity to chat with her. That brings us to the close, Matt, of another episode of Matt and Tim's Road to Busso. But before we finish up, a few of the listeners have asked me to ask you about the Chicken Nugget Challenge. They haven't forgotten, Matt. Where are we at on that front? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping they might forget, but um, yeah, it sounds like they haven't. So I better, I better get this thing happening. I, yes. I've actually got a plan on on how I'm going to do this, and um, well, I'm, you should have I'm pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty excited. I actually think <laughs> I can make this work as a legitimate nutrition plan for runners, and I'm hoping to see <laughs> that it'll that it'll take off. And um, be yeah taken up by quite a few other people afterwards. So yeah, you can um, look forward to it in our next episode. Great. Well, listeners, you can hit us up on the socials. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Road to Busso. You'll find us. Leave us a rating on wherever it is that you're listening to us, and spread the word about this amazing podcast. But till next time, we'll see you later. See you, Matt. See you, Tim.